I don't know if you guys have noticed, but society is changing. I have been reading a lot of articles, different news outlets where it talks about how this person has died and this person has died and this person has died. Now, no, death is not new to our society. However, if you are paying attention, you're having a lot of deaths in single family units in very close proximity to each other. That is back to depression era farming pioneer pilgrim days. We are not used to that in our society. And so we are desperately seeking for ways to stop it. The thing I'm going to tell you is that we cannot. We are not going to be able to stop it. Now, why is it happening this way? I couldn't tell you other than I do know that history recycles itself, which is one of the reasons we're told that if you don't learn from history, then you get to repeat it because it recycles itself. So we could be in one of those recycling phases or we could just be a mess of society. Uh, either one works, uh, it doesn't change what's going on. So there are two really big things that go on with this. One is empathy, because we as a society are giving too much sympathy and it's not helpful. And the other one is grieving. We don't know how, so we're not doing it. We expect to have closure instead of being able to process what's going on and move forward with it. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to have empathy instead of sympathy and how to have grief instead of closure. Several years ago, a friend of my husband's, his oldest son was lost at sea. He was in the Navy and they could not find the body. So we went to a memorial service for him and they buried an empty casket, hoping for closure. Closure is unattainable. What is it? Seriously, you close the door, you all already know there's something behind it. It's impossible to end something, to make sure that you don't have to continue. Now, this is a part of grief, the grieving process that people get tangled up in. I would read all of these news stories years and years ago where the end of it, the person who was part of the tragedy would always say, I want to make sure that this doesn't happen to anybody else. You can't do that. How can you make sure that nobody else has to suffer or die or be involved in any part of life? You can't do that. So we need to stop thinking about needing closure. There's no such thing. All right. So instead of closure, what are we looking at? We're looking at the grief process. Now I know everybody knows that there are the five steps of the grief process, but the thing that people don't realize is that they don't mean what they think they mean. They don't happen the way they think they should happen. And they don't happen in the timetable that they th think the time should happen in. So three strikes, you're out, right? All right. So what are the five stages of grief? We know about denial. We know about depression. We know about anger. We know about bargaining and we know about acceptance. Most people think that if they ignore the first four that they can just move on to acceptance. That's not how that works either. You can't skip any of the steps or you have not actually grieved. So I get a lot of people that are like, well, Mandy, 
I've just moved on. No, you haven't. You're stuck hoping for closure. So here's the, here's the thing that we need to understand with that. Okay, let's define these terms. People think that when you're bargaining, you're bargaining for the person to come back. No, you are not. That is not what bargaining is about. Bargaining is, I don't want to go through this, and so I am willing to think the most irrational things so that I don't have to go through this. That's normal, trust me. But it isn't normal to not want to think those irrational thoughts. I know, that's a <laughs> juxtaposition paradox. Ha 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 paradox. So... When you are looking at depression, this is not the mental illness that we talked about before. This is actual sadness at loss. At loss. This isn't that you skinned your knee. This isn't that your boyfriend cheated on you. This is that you lost something and you are actually very, very sad about it, not just a little sad about it. And that's where we bring in that term depression. Okay, anger. Uh, several years ago, my aunt lost her mom, her dad, her husband, and she was visiting us. And I said, okay, you're going to get angry. And she turned to me and she said, Mandy, I'm not mad at anybody. <laughs> That's not what I said. I said, you're going to get angry. When it happens, just realize that you're not crazy and just let it happen. Don't try to stop it. So my aunt lived out of state. And when she came back uh, for a family reunion of the next year, she came up to me and she said, I just wanted to thank you. I'm like, okay. She said she was in her bathtub and this wave of anger just rolled over her. She said, if I hadn't told her, she would have felt like she was going crazy. But because I told her that this was normal, she just sat up and she screamed and she cried and she let it all out. It took her 30 minutes, she was done. She laid back in her bathtub and she could move forward from that stage of the grieving process. Now, not everybody's anger is going to be that way, but your anger is not directed towards anyone. Your anger is directed towards the injustice and the unfairness of the situation. That's what you're angry about, okay? So what is denial? Seriously, if somebody dies, are you seriously over there going, no, they didn't. I don't believe that they did. We're not that stupid. That's not what denial is. Denial is, I don't want this situation to be my situation, so I don't want to deal with it. And we kind of check out from dealing with it. This stage is the one that can get us into the biggest amount of trouble because it just depends on how we check out. Sometimes people will check out in claiming that they have become best friends with the rapist or murderer of their child. And they say, I have forgiven them. In five minutes? I don't think you have. I think you don't want to deal with this and you're sitting in your denial and you're pretending that if you like this person, then that means that they didn't really hurt you. That's not how forgiveness works, and that's not how the grieving process works. So denial is not wanting to deal with the situation, and we look at ways that we can hide from it. Okay, so what is acceptance actually? Is acceptance, I'm okay that they're dead, or that they're gone, or that this horrible tragedy happened? 
No, it isn't. About 17 years ago, my grandma died. She was my best friend and my biggest support in my family. I felt a huge hole when uh, she died and I never was able to fill the hole. So I'm still not happy that she died, but I have accepted that I can be okay even though she died. And that is what acceptance is. It's that you can live your life even though the person or people that you want to have be a part of your life are not there in that form anymore. Now, the reason I say it that way is because I get a lot of people who come into my office and tell me death is the absolute worst thing. And they don't believe in God or a higher power of any kind. And that's fine. You're allowed to have whatever beliefs you want to have. But the thing I will tell you is this is not a belief. This is science. Energy cannot be destroyed. It's impossible to destroy energy. And guess what we're made out of? Energy. So we may change into some other form of energy, but we cannot be destroyed. We cannot disappear. I have had... Uh, some people who have had to deal with members of their family killing themselves. And I have said, you know, I, I believe because we take with us our connections and our information that we just change our energy state and we connect to other things out there that are the same type of energy state that we are in. So people who look up at the stars and the nebulas. It could be very possible that your loved one has changed and become one of those stars or one of those nebulas, joined that community in a new energy state. Now, however you want to look at it is fine, but you have to understand that your loved one is never gone, just changed. And that is also what acceptance is. It's that this isn't the worst possible scenario. It's a very difficult one. It's one that we all hate dealing with, but it isn't the worst possible scenario. It's just a really hard one. Okay, so I had a friend who lost his dad when he was in high school, and he came up to me when he was grown. I didn't know him in high school, and he, he said that People at funerals are the dumbest people. He said, they give the worst sympathy. A lady walked up to his mom and said, well, now you can travel because your husband isn't here to hold you back. What kind of stinking comfort is that? Just stop talking. That's rude and awful. And what are you supposed to say to that? Oh, thank you. Yes, now my life can move forward because I don't have my husband with me. If that's going to be your great comfort, don't say it. I know that if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. I don't agree with that. But if you can't say something that isn't dumb, don't say it. I agree with that. So we have what I call well-intentioned clueless people who think they're helping and they are not. And they need to think about it and stop 
before they don't help. Now, what's the difference between empathy and sympathy? I hate being pitied. I hate it. If you are going to pity me, I am not going to be around you. So when I had uh, cancer, I had a lot of people really upset with how I was dealing with my cancer. They wanted me to be sad. And because I wouldn't be sad, they cried and said they were crying for me. I'm like, well, it's my cancer. Why are you crying for me? I'm not crying. That's what sympathy is. Sympathy is sharing the emotion. Okay, well, if you haven't lost a loved one in the recent situation, then you can't share in the scenario. And if you are going to say well-intentioned, really clueless things, then you really can't share in the scenario. So stop trying to be sympathetic because it's not coming across that way. All right, so what is empathy? I have had to take classes on empathy. And they say empathy is understanding where a person is coming from. Uh, unless you have had a lot of things happen to you, how can you understand where a person is coming from? I don't agree with that definition because a lot of people cannot understand where I am coming from, but that doesn't mean they can't support me. Ah, and there is what empathy actually is. It is supporting somebody within their own experience. If I have somebody walk into my office and they start crying and I start crying with them because, you know, I want to show them empathy. I'm not showing them empathy. And all of a sudden, the attention is on me, not them. So I'm actually not helping them. I am making it so that they can't deal with their issues because I'm crying and they're upset that their crying is making me cry so they don't want to cry anymore. And so they work on stopping to cry and then they don't want to deal with what made them cry because they'll start crying again. Yeah, what I'm saying, that is not empathy. That's a nightmare of chaos and supposed support. That is not support. So when I have somebody come in, or I have somebody just in my own life that comes and says, this really bad thing is happening to me. The very first thing I say is, that's got to be rough. I, I get that that has got to be really hard on you. And whatever you are feeling right now is very valid with that. And I don't think you should change the way that you feel. And people say, well, Mandy, how do you know what to do after that? Well, I look at the situation and I think, what would I wish somebody would do for me if I were in that situation? And then I do that for that person because that's a pretty good gauge if it's helpful or not. Uh, when my husband was first diagnosed with depression, he had a friend show up. Thank goodness I was not there at the time, but his friend told him that if I had just cleaned the house that my husband's depression would go away. Okay, if I walked into a room and told somebody to clean their house to fix their life problems, I would not like that. So I'm not going to do that to somebody else. Do you see how that's a good gauge? We don't want people pointing out what we're doing wrong or what you think we should be doing. We want somebody there supporting us in our experience. So 
I am really good at walking into a room, looking around and seeing what needs to be done, doing it, and then leaving. And a few years ago, a very, very good friend of mine died of pancreatic cancer. And I was looking around at what was happening. Uh, I was participating in things, but I was also watching what was happening with his wife and his kids. And I would go to the funeral director and I would say, hey, can we get this for them? Hey, can I get this? Hey, can they need this? Can we orchestrate this? Can we do this? They're asking if they can do this so that they didn't have to do any of that stuff. It was really kind of funny because by the end of the night, he thought I was uh, one of the kids. He came and he said, so did your mom get everything that she needed? And I just kind of chuckled inside and I said, I, I think so. Yes. And thank you so much for all your help. <laughs> okay. That kind of shows that I was doing what was helpful because even the funeral director thought I was being helpful, you know, not being annoying and not being stupid and not trying to show all kinds of sympathy. So if you will just look at what you wish somebody would do for you, then you're not going to be making those dumb comments and you're not going to be making those awkward comments. I love the, well, my husband is dying. Well, I hope he gets better. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> I, I hope so too, but he's not going to. So instead of saying something like that, how about if, well, my husband is dying. Ooh, that must be really hard. I'm really sorry you have to go through that. I hope you guys will be okay. Oh, isn't that much nicer to hear than, well, I hope he gets better soon. I'm like, did you even hear what I just said? Do you see the difference between wanting to feel what somebody is feeling, trying to understand where they're coming from, and just supporting them in their experience? That is the difference. We need more empathy so that people feel safer to be able to grieve. Now, no time can be put on the grieving process. However, if you're not moving forward in it, then you're not going through the grieving process. So you have to look at it and say, am I stuck in one of these uh, stages? Now, the stages can flip-flop. I've had several clients that think they're all done with the depression. They get into the anger and then all of a sudden they're feeling sad again. They're like, what is going on? I said, mm -hmm, you weren't done feeling sad. You need to come back and feel sad. So it's not a matter of a checklist. You cannot check the boxes. Okay, finished with the anger today. Yippee, I'm moving on to denial. Is not how it works. Um, so you need to be accepting of where you're at. Now, you're going to be irrational. You're going to be illogical and you're going to wish that this wasn't happening. And I'm going to tell you right now, all of that is normal. Please understand you're not crazy. The crazy is not dealing with it. The crazy is claiming that you're okay. It's fine that your favorite person in the world or the person you love the very, very most is gone. Oh, is it? It's still not fine with me. I still miss my friends. I still miss these people. I still have conversations with them in my head. I still wish that they were there on occasion. And sometimes I look at something and I'm a little sad because they're not there to share that with me. 
That doesn't mean that I haven't moved on to acceptance. That means that I have gone through the grieving process successfully and healthy. Okay, so here's the thing. After my grandma died, my dad came to me and he said, you got to fill the hole, Mandy. I said, with what? Nothing else is the shape of grandma. What am I supposed to fill the hole with? You don't fill the hole. You cannot replace what was lost. What you do is you shore it up. What does that mean? For you old timers, you know, for you young people, it means if you have a sapling tree and the wind is blowing it and it's kind of going crooked, you put a lot of posts around it and you either tape or tie so that the trunk can be strong and supported while it's growing. That's called shoring up. So you find things that can help you be strong and supported while you are grieving and processing. Uh, my best friend calls it, you need to get a circle of resiliency. You need to surround yourself with people who can help you through what you're going through. Now, I'm just going to add a little bit to that. You need to surround yourself with people and experiences, activities that can support you. Uh, for instance, I played in a symphony for a very long time. Okay, that was an amazing support to me when I was going through my cancer. So it wasn't just the people that were, were supportive in this situation, it was also the activity. So you see, you need to make sure that you have your resiliency circle and it is filled with everything that it needs to be filled with as long as it's healthy so that you can shore up that hole and grieve healthy and get better in the best possible way. As a society, we need to understand that we are in different times. History is recycling and we need to recycle with it. We cannot move forward the way that we have been because it's not working anymore. We need to go back and learn some of these basic skills. Learn to have empathy. Learn how to grieve. Learn how to be okay amid trial and suffering and great loss. It is possible. You can do it. You just need to look at it different. <laughs>